For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy News Beat Stand Up here on this gorgeous Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. As always, I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley, my man. How are we doing today? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but uh, I'm dressed today for those that are listening on our podcast in my Fetterman. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a hoodie on and I started putting that on earlier today and I was cold. Well, let's hope that's the only thing that you're imitating of Fetterman today or the show's going to be a disaster. We do have a great show for you guys lined up. Stu's going to start us off talking about EU nations agreeing on a temporary gas price cap. Oh, yikes. That seems spicy. He also is going to talk about how investors are ramping up pressure on big oil to set 2020 or 2030 climate targets. We'll also pop over to the Great Lakes to talk a little bit about grid and uh, the grid and how better planning and transmission can also also help with climate solutions. We'd be remiss if we didn't go over to California and talk about the key <laughs> takeaways from their California <laughs> offshore wind energy auction. We all know we've got some thoughts there. Oil price is fairly muted. We were up a little bit, currently trading about $75.91. Uh, short-term weather models on nat gas turn extremely warm. So that's uh, mainly due to the tumble there, but we will cover all that in a bag of chips, guys. But first, check us out online at quite possibly the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com. You know, I know coal might actually be a lucrative thing to get this Christmas, but if you don't want coal, (laughs) you should go to energynewsbeat.com and download and check out all our stuff. All of the articles that Stu reads from this show are available there. It's in, again, it's the world's greatest website. And the more you go to it, good things will happen to us. It, it, all of the news and analysis you have um, comes there. And Stu does you know, really a great job of making sure it's, in my opinion, again, the best energy site holistically, all the geopolitics, all of everything. Check us out, www.energynewsbeat.com. But enough of the pleasantries, Stu. Where do you like to begin? Hey, let's head around the corner here. First one up, uh, EU countries agree to a price price cap, uh, gas price cap. I can't even say that real quick, uh, to battle energy crisis. Okay, we had the price cap on oil just a little bit. And I, there's some quotes in here, Michael, that just absolutely cracked me up. And, you know, we know sanctions don't work. Uh, Russia is now well over 40% of the energy that they ship out in natural gas and in oil. Uh, they are up from 37 on their GDP. It, numbers are going to come through. I, they may even hit 42%. Sanctions don't work. <laughs> It, well, here okay. we go. So here, here's what the actual price cap is. The uh, We got the EU Council said that the price cap will be 
activated if gas prices exceed 180 euros or 191 American dollars per megawatt hour, according to the Dutch or on the Dutch title transfer facility, which is the primary European benchmark for three working days. And if they are 35 euros or $37 higher than the reference price for liquefied natural gas on the global markets in the same period, the price cap mechanism is set to take effect on February 15th, 2023, and will apply for 20 working days once activated. So now, well, woo, you, you notice that's that a in lot there. for megawatt hour. Holy it smokes. Is, uh, that's thousands of dollars just to heat people's homes. How are they going to enforce that other than cut you off? Uh, kind of like uh, Seinfeld, you know, the soup guy. Uh, no more soup for you. Uh, you what are you going to do? No more no. power for you? No, no power for you. And then when you take a look at the, uh, here's the key in there. It said they're going to 35 euros, 37 megawatt per hour above reference level on existing liquefied natural gas price assessments. There's a little bit of caveat in there, Michael. And that is at $37 of megawatt, that's actually getting back up into the $180 equivalent for barrel of oil. Wow. Now, I want to say this. I got to fact check you a little bit. Um, So right now, I just pulled up my energy book because I was interested because you were like thousands of dollars to just heat your homes. I'm like, oh, interesting. I wonder how many megawatts I use. In one month, I use about 680 kilowatts. So about 668 out of 100 for a megawatt. So in that standpoint, your bill's not changing. So what that's saying is if you go up to one, basically, basically, this price cap is just not it's not thousands of dollars, you're, but that means that the open market price is insane and it's going to yes. continue up. So, I mean, there's a lot that this subsidy is huge if we ever get to this point. Oh, it's, it is. Now, take a look. You've got a uh, two-bedroom apartment for that, and you have other people with families, homes. It's you and your yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, that's, now, it's true. Not, it's true. You're talking maybe you're, two, three megawatts for a home a month. I get you. Right. You're, you're not right. even comparing squirrels to apples. But I'm saying that's still you, but it's not thousands of dollars, but still that price, ca- that those costs for whatever, that $191 per right. one megawatt is not like super high. It's fairly like we're fairly close to that anyway. And we'll probably barrel through that in the winter just because of the yep. way things are playing out. So this subsidy that's going to get rolled out is going to be huge. As oh, you mentioned, hey. inflation, it's not going to help. No. And uh, when you print that much money, Michael, it's going to hurt. I mean, it's it's going to be awful. In another quote in here, I thought it was funny. This one was uh, a different article with the same topic. Quote, uh, we have succeeded in finding an important agreement that will shield citizens from skyrocketing energy prices from he's the Czech minister of industry and trade. He also said we will set realistic and effective mechanism, which includes necessary safeguards that will steer us from risk. And this one says it's one hundred and ninety one dollars per megawatt hour. So. Anyway, yeah. So, I mean, if you're using two, if you're a two bedroom home, you're using two megawatts a month. I mean, that's an expensive energy. I'm not saying it's not, it's not, it's, it's not cheap at all. I do love this. This is quote with such a mechanism in place. Europe will be better prepared for next winter season and for a new round of storage filling. Get this quote, which will be more challenging than it has been this year. According that. to the EU's commissioner for energy. Ooh, Ooh. So do I, yeah, ooh they know what do they know that we don't? 
Well, there's uh, Irina Slav from uh, Bulgaria wrote in oilprice.com the other day, I believe, that it was, oh, by the way, they're going to have a tough time filling up their supplies with LNG. So, you know, uh, the other article that also came out today was that Russia is now mad at Ukraine. Imagine that. But the pipeline going through Ukraine, they say they're not uh, getting the gas to some of uh, uh, it's not Bosnia, but it's one of the Russian uh, people, one of the Russian countries. So they're going to shut gas off because uh, uh, Ukraine has been siphoning off that pipeline. <laughs> all in all, energy prices in Europe are about to be insane, regardless of this um, price hike. What do we got next? Okay, next one coming around the corner. You know, this whole ESG investing thing, uh, you and I have talked about BlackRock uh, losing uh, $1.7 trillion in the beginning of the year. They were only $8 trillion as an investing company. Now, uh, the activist group uh, has a group of investors uh, tabled resolutions that, Michael, they're trying to tell the oil companies that they have to set 2030 for greenhouse gas emissions, including those from fuels sold to customers known as scope three emissions. They have scope one, scope two. Scope three is you're responsible from the drill head all the way to the gasoline car. That is absolutely nuts. So here you go. So here's the actual definitions of scope one, scope two, scope three emissions. Scope one emissions covers emissions from sources that an organization owns or controls directly. And that makes sense. Right. Scope two emissions. Scope two emissions are emissions that a company that causes indirectly when the energy it purchases is used and produced. Scope that three would, emissions. That would be encompass emissions in encompasses emissions that are not produced by the company itself and are not the result of the activities from the assets owned or controlled by them, but those that are indirectly responsible for up and down its value chain. That's like scope two Chevron is being liable for the emissions that come out of your car. That's, that's a scope ex- three emissions. Exactly. And really, if and- it doesn't fall within, and the other thing to include is that if it does not, if your type emissions does not fall within either a scope one or a scope two, it's automatically a scope three emission. Exactly. Exactly. And and the refineries, if you lose control of it, you lose control of being able to affect any uh, carbon capture or anything else. Once it leaves your hands and it goes to the refinery, you have no more control. How could you tax them on that or how can you make them responsible? That is just ludicrous. I mean, that is a nuts. You can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I think scope one obviously is within any company's control. And I think that specifically but going, talk, you know, yeah, but we, Michael, we talked about carbon uh, credits so that you buy them yesterday. Uh, and when we are, uh, yeah, yesterday, when we go in and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to go ahead and buy extra uh, credits and it turns it into a scam, Ponzi scheme, however you want to say it. And then they go ahead and and do some more and they just and they just pay it out more. So this is going to be similar. How in the world can they enforce it? And they said they want to do it by 2050. But just to make sure they're on track, they want to enforce it by 2030. (laughs) That's 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 exactly what 
Yeah, I'm I'm I, I, I'm confused as far as how they whoever came up with this does not understand how the world operates. Well, it's proxy season. So what what this article is referring to is proxy season was coming up. We've mentioned, I think, occasionally about the company Strive Asset Management, who's a, a proxy investor, but would be a quote unquote anti ESG activist right. investor. So sort of the other side of what we've seen, we've seen them have some success specifically with ExxonMobil and getting two new chairmen put on board. But well, what's coming up is investors who have certain levels of stakes in companies. I don't think necessarily anybody who just owns a single stock can put up a proxy, but I think you have to, I'm not quite sure what the rules are, but there's some threshold you have to own. And then you are allowed to submit proxies. And so what activist investors do is mainly wield their power through investing minority shares in companies and then submitting proxies in order to get company charters changed. We've talked about all of this on previous shows, but I think it's helpful to know that as we come into February, you're going to start seeing articles like this. And specifically, this is the time when activist investors come in and attempt to say, yo, Chevron, you need to write into your corporate charter that you're going to get rid of scope three emissions by 2020 or 2030. Right. And you know, the only thing I'll say is, how do you get rid of scope three emissions? And maybe somebody can educate me email us, you know, right into the show, yep. please. And and if you are to the email uh, that doesn't exist. So if you actually figure out how to get a hold of us, more power there, to you. There will um, be a there will be a form on Energy Newsbeat at the top with a link to it. Go to energynewsbeat.com. I'll have a uh, place in there to give show feedback. So now it exists. So let let me know <laughs> let, let me know feedback on like how you even handle and, scope three emissions, because I don't even, again, it's not within your direct control, nor is it, it's like seven steps away from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> it's really what it is. It's like, at some point I'm not, I'm not liable for what he does. I'm seven <laughs> steps away from him. So I, I do think it, it'll be very interesting to see how much of these proxies go through, but it's something we will be watching here shortly. What do you got next, Stu? Okay, coming around the corner, we've got two U.S. stories here, and that is the first one is titled Climate Solutions for Great Lakes Power Grid Include Better Planning and Transmission. The one thing, Michael, that this story really brings out is the fact that we have to have a solid grid in order to put renewables on them. And so the heat wave against the the some really cool uh, quotes in here, uh, climate change is likely to increase these stresses. It was uh, temperature extremes can disrupt all kinds of energy, including fossil fuel plants, at the same time increasing demand. The quote is in here from the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, extreme heat and cold weather events are occurring with greater frequency and projected to occur. Um, There's been uh, climate change since the beginning of the earth. I, I, I don't know how to say that, but grid operators, if things like air conditioning load do not continue to climb, we're in a position to recognize it, um, whose territory covers 13 states. Uh, you know, I, I just got tickled at this. They're trying to send a note that climate change has just now started. And um, I, it's going to be one degrees up here on Thursday. One degree up here in Bear Country. Yeah, I'm getting out of Texas. I'm heading back home to uh, um, Denver a day early because of that. But I mean, what this article just shows, in my opinion, is how fragile the grid really is. 
and the how grid is fragile and and you and, and i both, yeah you and i both know we need renewables we need solar we need wind but we need nuclear we need natural gas we need them all and the grid will not support the renewables michael there's another preventing blackouts is a neck economic and justice issue i agree but they say in here a thousand three hundred heat related deaths each year I'm going to call hoo-ha on this. Uh, they had more people that died from COVID that they even had the guy, Michael, do you remember when the guy was on a motorcycle and he hit a tree? He died from COVID. How do you put this 1,300 heat-related deaths in here? I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I mean, I don't, I, I agree with you on some level that because it's clear on COVID, they were marking anybody who just showed up with a broken leg that dude had COVID like, that's clear. We know that in this case, maybe I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're probably right. I think it's a lot easier to, I would say, figure out if somebody died of the cold. Versus more, more people die from cold than they do the heat. Uh, FERC will decide whether or not they need to do that. That's the proposed rules in the American Electric Reliability Council. And there's some more other stuff, fun stuff there. But let's finish with this one. And I love let's how move. we. It's just I love how there's the world. There's the word reliability in there. It's almost <laughs> like the perfect troll. It's the perfect troll because our grid is anything but reliable. No, and in fact, we're going to go talk about this one now. We're going to my favorite uh, country, California. And uh, when you proceed with caution, key takeaways from California's first offshore wind energy auction. And and so when you take a look at the first offshore lease uh, by the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management in the Pacific, this is really pretty cool, but the lease is 370,000 acres off of the coast of Central and North. BOEM estimates it could generate 4.6 gigawatts of offshore energy on an average cost of $2,028 per share just for lease. I wonder per acre per acre per acre. Excuse me. Yeah, per acre. That's a lot. And when you sit back in the Carolinas, was eight thousand nine hundred and fifty-one. So, in the words of Doc from Back to the Future, four point six gigawatts of offshore energy is not going to be plugged into the California grid very easily at all. Yeah. So the price for this is going to be astronomical. And Michael, let's put it down here right now. We're going to put it in the show notes. I don't know that this thing is even going to be completed because of the rising costs that are being associated with wind energy and the unreliability due to the designs of the grids. Does that make sense? Just Google offshore. If you're at a computer, Google offshore wind farms. They're ugly. How are they more and less of an eyesore than oil and gas? How? I mean, obviously, there's the whole carbon issue, but they're just ugly. I'm looking at the cover photo you've got. And it's like, that's what we're going to do to our oceans. You know, that's what New York wants. I mean, they got 8,000 an acre in New York and New Jersey, this article points out. You're telling me really people in New York want to look at that? I mean, I guess, God bless, I, I think they're ugly, but hey, you remember, you know, uh, I wouldn't pay a dime for an offshore wind lease. Uh, do you remember Ted Kennedy? Uh, he had a... 
Uh, yeah, you're a little young, but uh, there was some offshore wind that uh, they were trying to put out there right outside of him uh, back up east. And he's a NIMBY, not in my backyard. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I mean, it's that's how a lot of this stuff is. I, I, I'm i just going to be very interested to see in 20 years looking back at all of this offshore wind. I think we're going to be like, we just, I mean, we just created one of the largest eyesores of all time. But hey, if it works at emissions, it works at emissions. So um, what else do you got, Stu? Is that it? That's it. Let's go to finance, dude. I mean, it's honestly a pretty chill day. SPY was down about nine tenths of a percentage point. NASDAQ tumbles 1.4 percentage points. Crude oil raises a little bit. We started the day um, down near around 74.50. We've rose all the way up, currently trading at 75.81. Time stands here about 6.42 uh, p.m. here on the 19th. Um, There's really two factors. You've got sort of this this new narrative now about China and demand growing with them. And then we also have the idea of a recession here at home, obviously DAG prices down. And, and as we continue to have interest rate increases, um, that's not going to do well. Dollar was a little bit stronger today. So I think that's part of the reason that's uh, offsetting some of the recession fears. But those are really the key players, um, both on the supply and demand side with, with crude oil and specifically around what's pulling prices that way. Natural gas, we just got pounded today do on some short-term weather models. The the the, the new 15-day weather turned a very, very warm, which is not good for the Thursday um, storage slash injection numbers, which almost will be an injection. But the question is, it might be a smaller one. So those we'll be watching those extremely closely. Crude oil futures, um, we will see the crude oil storage numbers, which drop uh, Wednesday. We'll be looking for those at 10 a.m. Um, I do think both of the uh, this weekend, next week, the data is the same since we have Christmas and New Year's on the weekend. So there is no change in the data and and, and really nothing else. Um, I think, again, looking, you know, we talked about it um, initially proxy season. I think for oil and gas companies is going to be extremely interesting to watch because we are going to see a lot of these activist investors type coming in. And it, it could be around scope two, scope three emissions, but I do think you're going to see some corporate government stuff. I do think when the era of stock buybacks and big profits, I do think you might see some activist investors come in and and, and talk a little bit about, hey, let's, you know, it's weird to say an investor would want to limit stock buybacks, but I do think there is some pressure specifically when you talk about the narrative that's going around. And from a PR standpoint, it might be interesting, but um, I think there are certain things like that to take a look at, but um, that's really all I'm looking for really coming up. Stu, do you have anything else before we let these guys get out of here? No, it's another beautiful day in the neighborhood and we're going to have a great day tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great day, guys. We hope you're getting close to Christmas. And again, for all those oil and gas employees and and, and, and energy employees out there, we know that, that it's a 24-7 business and, and you're out there on Christmas Day making sure that working the line, working the rig, you know, so we appreciate all you guys and the hard work and, and, and allow us to be powered. So um, for Energy News Beat, we appreciate it. All right. Send your questions in. Well, with that, guys, we're going to let you get out of here, get back to work, start your day. If you're listening to us on The Commute, Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. See you tomorrow. Today's episode of the Energy Newsbeat podcast is brought to you by Inveris. The energy industry faces massive challenges every day, and the events over the last two years have caused huge disruptions like never before. Companies in the energy industry need actionable intelligence and a single source of truth that brings all the data together. Inveris is the energy specialized technology partner that provides intelligent connections for a global energy ecosystem. Only Inveris has the analytics, people, experience, and industry scope to connect the right data and information in the right way to discover missed opportunities and deliver fast outcomes. Find out more at Inveris.com. That's E-N-V-E-R-U-S.com. 
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money.